When I get home at night, what I want is peace and quiet. And we always seem to think that peace and quiet go together uh, because quiet usually indicates that there's a lack of conflict. But is peace only having quiet, making sure that when you get home that the kids are all in the rooms and uh, your wife is not talking to you and you're kind of in a place where you can just enjoy the silence? I would venture to say that peace for all of us is much more than just being quiet. Peace is about knowing that you're doing and being the person that God has called you to be. And when you have that relationship right, you have peace with God as He promised. My name is Trey Rhodes and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church. And it's good to have you along as we continue our study in the book of Luke. And we appreciate you coming and being a part of this. Whether you're one of our Life Connection Group leaders or somewhere around the world, we welcome you here. If you would like our materials, as I've always said, just let me know your name and we will uh, and your email and we will put you on the uh, list and you'll get the, the materials every single week. And you can contact me at T-R-E-Y at NorthwoodBaptist.com. That's Trey at NorthwoodBaptist.com. So we look forward to hearing from you. Well, we are fully into our time of life connection groups here at North Northwood and we're enjoying the time together. We continue to grow. People continue to find, want to find community. And it's been great to, for all of you guys to open your home, open your uh, rooms to uh, people coming in and being a part of, of Northwood and really getting connected. As Pastor Tommy has said so many times, your best spiritual growth happens in community. And that is the truth. Uh, I want you to be praying for me. Come October, I'm going to be going to uh, a church out in California, and we're going to be having a conference with them. And I look forward to that. It's going to be directly involving our small group ministry or life connection group ministry here at Northwood. So uh, do be in prayer for me as as, as that goes on. Uh, once again, thank you for the uh, the iPads and for working hard on the iPads and getting information back to us. Uh, I would, uh, I'm having a man help me. His name is Paul Suggs, and he will, uh, either me or him will be popping our heads in here and there, making sure that you have iPads and that you don't have any questions and other things. Uh, we're trying to do some, we sat together and put our heads together this week, trying to make it so that it was uh, foolproof in case somebody accidentally touched a button or something like that, and then not being able to figure out how to get back to it. So we're trying to solve some of those problems, and hopefully over the next few weeks we'll get that done. All right, I do want to encourage you to be caring for your people. Thank you so much, by the way. So many of you Life Connection Group leaders are sending the paper back that is telling me whether or not somebody's in the hospital. Uh, so that helps us. It doesn't always have to be the hospital. It can be an operation, even if they're not going to stay in the hospital. We sure would like to pray for them as they uh, go through this time and uh, we're able to minister to them, okay? So uh, continue to do that. It helps us immensely. I read every single one of them. And I pray for every one of you guys that sends that in. All right? All right, let's turn to Luke chapter 12, verses 49. We're going to start in verse 49. We're going to read through to chapter 13, or study through to chapter 13. And we're going to be talking about peace with God will cost you peace on earth. And that sounds, that 
ridiculous. As Pastor Tommy said, didn't Jesus, the whole reason he came, to bring us peace on earth? As uh, they, you know, we sing the song, Peace on Earth, Goodwill to Men. So if Jesus came to give us peace on earth, how can he say that peace with God will cost you that? Well, it's uh, not all that Jesus tells us. If following Jesus means I might not have peace on earth, you might question, is it worth it to follow Jesus? So once again, we have some hard words that Jesus is going to be sharing with us that call us to think about what peace with God costs us and why following Jesus is worth it. Uh, So we're going to talk about three reminders from this passage. So uh, we're going to talk about three reminders um, that help us remember what it costs to follow Jesus and really why it's worth the cost. All right, well, first of all, peace with God will cost you relationally. Jesus uh, said, I came to bring fire on earth. I came to bring fire on earth. Now, does that make sense? Does that, you know, that that sounds so different than what we heard in Luke chapter 2. And so now he's saying that he came to bring uh, bring fire on earth. And how I wish it had been kindled already. One translation says, I wish it were already set ablaze. So here Jesus, the meek and mild Jesus that we think of, wants to bring fire, and he wants to bring it now. Now, when we, when we read the, the context of Scripture, fire means judgment, and judgment particularly from God. And uh, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about our God is a consuming fire. It, it not only uh, brings judgment, it brings purification, and the Christians that walk through this life experience a purifying fire of trials and struggles, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Um, but no one has to experience the fire of God's judgment because Jesus was willing to be consumed by the fire of God's judgment on the cross. He was baptized into fire, into the fire of God's judgment. So in these two verses, Jesus is really thinking about the cross. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He knows what awaits him. He wants to see the Father's will accomplished and all those things. So the work before him is just consuming him. And uh, the SV says that it distresses him. Think about the struggle that he had in the Garden of Gethsemane where he sweat drops of blood. Uh, Yet for the joy that was set before him, that he knew was coming, that Jesus endured the cross. That's good news. But it's bad news for anyone who chooses to reject Jesus as Lord. You see, for those who reject Jesus, they will experience the fire of God's judgment. And that that makes the gospel message divisive. Jesus saw it in his day. He saw how people were choosing sides. Some were embraced him while many Jews rejected him because he didn't bring the peace that they anticipated. So Jesus saw how the truth of who he was divided his own family. It happened. Even if you want to go back and look at Mark chapter 3, verse 21, there was division going on in his own family. Jesus' words do seem staggering, though. When you hear the word, not peace on earth, but division, then, uh, there, by the way, that's a quote from Micah chapter 7. Verse 6, the prophet prophesied a break, about the breakdown of families. Um, and you, we've all seen it, our own family members. You, you know, they say things like, oh man, you're too serious about your faith. Or they say, uh, what, what's the deal about being a missionary? I mean, come on, man, really? Uh, your faith is, makes you such a bigot. Um, you know, those kind of things. So here's what we got to come to the conclusion of. First of all, you can't settle for a fake peace. Peace is not going along just to get along. The pull is, is strong to compromise truth for the sake of peace. Peace is not keeping your mouth shut about your faith. That's avoiding difficult conversations. That doesn't help you be a gospel witness. Peace is not disobeying God to please your family. 
All right? So you can't settle for that fake kind of peace. Well, the nots that we talked about, not disobeying God, um, not, uh, avoiding conflict to try to keep peace in the family, those kind of things. doesn't help you be a gospel witness. So the second thing you must look at is you must work for true peace. Remember Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. You keep living out your faith and you leave it in God's hands. You, you keep speaking about your faith and you use compassion, uh, use wisdom to know when to share and and, and, and just leave it in God's hands. All right? So the first uh, reminder we have is that peace with God will cost you relationally. Second reminder we have is this. Peace with God will cost you your now. Okay, so again, we have these hard words. Relationship with Jesus would cost his followers many relationships, but it would also cost them their now. God has given you today, but many don't know how to interpret what God's doing right now. Uh, the things you can interpret really well, like the weather, you see clouds, you know, a storm's brewing, right? You walk outside. It happened the other day. I remember looking up at the, uh, when we had that huge rainstorm, real sudden rainstorm. I remember looking up in the clouds and I saw this unbelievable dark cloud and it looked like it was coming all the way to the ground. I was hoping it wasn't a tornado. But anyway, uh, you know, there's a storm coming. You can tell. You walk outside and you know it's going to be hot. All right, but... Um, we are not experts in interpreting the times. Jesus said to the crowd, a storm of judgment is coming. It couldn't be more clear. Jesus uh, takes a storm, uh, is present, excuse me, to take the storm and to reject him. The storm's going to come for you. And Jesus gave all kind of evidence to us through his teaching and miracles. But hard hearts failed to discern the times. So what's happening to our present? Uh, you might want to go back and read 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9. It gives you an idea of what the kind of struggles were, were, were going on, uh, what, what was prophesied. Uh, I'm going to turn there and read a couple of them for you, okay? So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, let's see here. I can't quite find it. Hold on one second. All right. But know this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, slanders, disobedient to parents. And it gets this laundry list of terrible things. And then it ends with this. They love pleasure rather than love God. Verse um, 5, maintaining a form of godliness, denying its power. Avoid these people. And then it talks about what they come and do. Come to do to destroy. Verse 9, but they will not progress to a greater extent. For their folly will be quite evident to everyone, as also the folly of the two was. So these these are the difficult times that we're we're constantly going to be we're going to constantly seeing and fighting and being you know having to deal with. So uh, I would challenge you to make sure that you, as the people of God, are ready for what comes. That's our present. That's our now. There's plenty of evidence that time is running out and judgment is coming. Um, verses 57 to 59, and if you want to turn back there, um, say this, And why do you not also judge your, for, uh, for yourselves what is right? For as you're going with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to come to a settlement with him on the way. So, you know, there, there is all kinds of things that we need to make sure that we're dealing with properly. The, the, you know, the, we're going to stand before the judge, but now is the opportunity to make things right. God, our judge, has the authority to throw us into hell. Luke chapter 12, verse 5 says that. And it's an analogy that you can't read too much into. You can't 
pay your way out of eternal judgment, by the way. Um, however, the clear point is this. Today is the day to settle your account. There's, there is an urgency in the ver- verses. He's saying don't waste your time now. Peace with God costs you your now. So it's time to make a decision to follow Christ. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to give him your now. All right, so here's what, here's what we're talking about. Uh, bullet point number one, I need to know what God wants for my now. Your faith, he wants your repentance, he wants your love, your affections, he wants your worship. Actually, he wants everything, doesn't he? And then you need to know what now is fleeting, that now is fleeting. You know, we always put off what we know God wants for now. You know, well, the younger we are, the more we have this illusion of time, you know, whether we're students or college students or whatever. Anyway, you think you have forever. Uh, I watched a show the other night about 17-year-olds think they'll live forever. You will not. Uh, Young families struggling to manage time in in your home with small children. You know, we say things like, now is the time for my toddlers. And they consume me. So you use your young children as an excuse why, you, why people in your Life Connection group are probably using that as an excuse and aren't giving Jesus your now. Or middle-aged parents, you know, like and Pastor Tommy used his, him as an illustration. He said, you know, right now I'm trying to balance work, kids' activities. I only have one shot at this time with my kids. I have to make sure they have the opportunities. So they get the now older adults, uh, maybe like me, a few years from retirement, Get to work extra so you can max out your 401k. So your job gets you now. And on it goes. Now is the time to live for Jesus. Now is the time to become a disciple. Now is the time to help make disciples. How are you spending your now? All right. So I need to know that now is fleeting. And then third bullet point, I need to know that if I waste my now, it impacts everything. Because you're going to look back and wish that you invested in your own spiritual growth. You're going to wish that you had invested in spiritual growth of your kids. You know, I saw a meme the other day, and it said uh, some cr- crazy number. Um, there is one out of 1,897,222 chance that your son or daughter will be in professional sports. But there is one out of one chance that they will stand before God one day. So where are you going to put your time? Where are you going to put your now? All right. Okay, the next reminder, the last reminder is this. Peace with God will cost you your allegiance. Okay, so we have the, here we have the crowd here, the religious crowd, and, and they're listening, right? And um, anyway, in the listening, we have um, them um, listening to Jesus, excuse me, and the hard teachings. You know, the question is, could Jesus be right? Could judgment come for people who reject Jesus? Could judgment come for people who don't give Jesus their now? And, and, and if we hear these hard words of Jesus, I know we're thinking, well, he's pretty harsh about that. Uh, the audience is filled with some good Jewish people and on and on and on. Anyway, Jesus knows that we have a tendency to justify ourselves. People coming to Jesus talk about religious pilgrims from Galilee who Pilate had put to death when their blood was mixed with the blood of sacrificial animals. Wow, then that's a scandal. That made the front line headlines, right? And so, obviously, those people had to be horrible sinners. Or how about when that tower fell and killed 18 people? They must have been these horrible people for that, something that, like that to happen. But that's not the point. Jesus is saying this. Everyone has sinned. All deserve to die. Romans 3.23. We're none different than the other. Your religion and your good works cannot save you. You can't create a hierarchy of sin and sinners. You must repent and give your allegiance to King Jesus. 
Then direct words to Israel. You've had time. You're born, you've borne no fruit that demonstrates true allegiance to the king. And Jesus likens the people to a fig tree that's grown for years but has no fruit. So what does, what does the farmer do? He chops that bad boy down. That fig tree is Israel, and Israel's got to repent and bear fruit before the hour of judgment arrives. So Jesus is very patient in verse 8 of chapter 13. It's almost like Jesus saying, this is your last chance. But Israel failed to give their allegiance to Jesus. They failed to repent, and they missed the Messiah. How sad is that? So when we get to understanding peace with God, we need to learn that if we're going to have the peace that we are supposed to have with God, then we need to repent. How we do that? Well, peace with God is far more important than peace on earth. We talked about that earlier. But anyway, experience peace with God by repenting and giving Jesus your allegiance. Um, Philippians 4, 6-7 through 7 is a great text to go and look and find out what it says about how we as the people of God need to respond to that. Uh, peace on earth will be a reality when Jesus returns. Um, you know, we, we, you say, well, what about Luke 2? Well, anyway, when sin and death are once for all eliminated, there will be no enemies to stand against God, and he will make heaven and earth new. And then we will have the kind of peace that we long for. All right, well, let's get into the questions and start the conversation. Um, The first one is about studying the hard sayings of Jesus. And by the way, we're in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 49, and we're going through chapter 13, verse 9. Anyway, we've been talking about the hard sayings of Jesus. So you wonder why if Jesus is this loving, compassionate Lord that loves us so much, why are his words so pointed? Um, Maybe you want to talk about that. Why is God right to judge the world for sinfulness? Um, So that's that's good could be some uh, great input if your people want to talk about that. Um, three, how was Jesus able to take the judgment of God for the sins of the world upon himself? You know, uh, you might talk a little bit about, as well, about peace and the impact that, uh, how much we want peace in this world. Um, we see a war going on right now that could, has the potential to make another world war. We're talking about what's going on in Ukraine. So anyway, you know, those, all those things are on people's minds. So kind of work off that and use those to introduce your message. As we always say, you can always introduce your message by giving context of what Luke 12 is about, the hard sayings. Go back, give them a re- re- repeat of what we've told them before, okay? All right, observation. Uh, let's read Luke 12, 49 to 53. Why does Jesus say that he came to bring fire on earth? Well, remember what we talked about? He came to bring fire on earth. Why? Because... He's going to take the fire himself. He's going to bring the judgment himself. So what is the baptism Jesus must undergo referred to? And that's the baptism of the cross. The baptism of the cross. Okay. Uh, read Luke 12, 50. Jesus said that his baptism consumes him. And remember that's when we said it about distresses him in the ESV version. Uh, why was Jesus so consumed or distressed by the baptism that he would undergo? Well, it, it was going to be hard. There is no doubt that Jesus was going to suffer greatly as a result of the baptism that he would face. Um, so Jesus, as he thinks about that and that baptism, it, it, was, it was ever on his mind. It was ever driving him forward. It was ever causing him to do what he needed to do. And we, we look at the Garden of Gethsemane, if you remember we talked about that. Um, there, there was great distress there as he sweat drops of blood. Um, 
So if so, then the question is: If he was so distressed about it, how could he say, "How could I wish I were already that it were already set ablaze?" Um, well, it's very difficult to understand how we would want to go through that. But Jesus knew that the time was coming. Jesus knew that the time was coming that he would pay the price for the sins of the world and that that time would change everything. That's the joy that was set before him. Jesus went through the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus went through the cross. Jesus went through the grave and stood triumphant that day at the empty tomb. All right, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 51 to 53. How did Jesus bring division on earth? Well, as you remember, uh, we would like to think that uh, everybody would be happy with this, but they weren't, and families were divided. Jesus' very own family, we, we use Mark chapter 3, verse 21 to talk about that. Jesus' very own family was there. Micah chapter 7, verse 6, where the, the prophet actually prophesies, uh, Micah does, about the breakdown of families. So that's what's going on, this breakdown of families, all right? Uh, Luke 7, uh, 12, 54 to 56. So what is the point of this analogy? Um, and we talked about those. First thing, you can't settle for a fake peace. Um, you know, you don't just say, well, I'm going to try to get along just for the sake of getting along. And you got to work for true peace. That's, that's why Jesus said that blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, what warning is Jesus trying to get us to heed? And uh, that is to not be someone that is not uh, real. We, we don't need to back off of what, who we are as followers of Jesus. Uh, we keep living our faith out. We, keep leaving it, we leave it in God's hands, and we let God do the work. All right, Luke chapter 12, verses 57 to 59. What's the point of the second analogy? All right, so again, we got some more hard words here. And uh, storm of judgment is coming. That's what he says. It couldn't be more clear. And so there's plenty of evidence in the Bible that there is great judgment coming, that time is running out. And we have this analogy that reminds a crowd that they would stand before the judge. Uh, and so the opportunity they have is to make things right. Um, so he says, um, you see a cloud coming in the west, you say it once, a rainstorm is coming, and so it happens. So that's the kind of, that's the analogy. You see a rainstorm, you know the storm's coming. They could see what was going on in Israel. They knew that a storm was coming. I don't think they knew how terrible it was going to be, that Jerusalem would be leveled, that the temple would be leveled, that Judaism would basically be, become a pariah, um, that everybody would uh, have to leave Jerusalem for the most part. It would just be a horrible time. Um, so it, that's what's going on. Uh, so he's trying to get us to heed that, uh, that we as God's people um, cannot waste what he has given us. Uh, we can't waste our now. Whatever God has brought to us now, we've got to live in that and make it work where it is, right? So Jesus is warning us to heed the now. All right, uh, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. The crowd brought two historical events for Jesus. And remember, it was the one about the people uh, getting the blood mixed, and then the other one was about the tower falling um, these uh, pilgrims were coming to Jerusalem and they were killed by Herod and the blood was mixed with the sacrifice. Anyway, the crowd brought those two historical events before Jesus. Why? Well, they were trying to say, you know, these people were bad people and that's why this happened to them. 
And Jesus was saying good religion and good stuff is not going to keep you from that because we are all sinners. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So um, what was Jesus' perspective on these two events? And that was it, what we just said. All of sin comes from the glory of God. And what does Jesus teach us in these verses about the nature of sin? That none of us are without sin. And just your religion and your works and all the things that you think are going to make a difference have nothing to do with it. We're all in this together. All right, uh, Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9. What does this fig tree represent? And why should the fig tree be cut down? And how does this short parable demonstrate the grace of Jesus? Well, what's happening is this fig tree is not producing fruit, as we know. It's not producing figs. So Jesus is saying that if that happens to a farmer's fig tree, what does he do? He goes out and he cuts it down. He gets rid of it. He's done with it, right? So that's, that's what's going on. Uh, they better start producing fruit from their lives or judgment is going to fall on them. This, he's given them one last chance uh, to repent and bear fruit before the judgment falls. Jesus gives them to the last moment. I believe with all my heart if they had, if they had repented when he came and he died on the cross, judgment could have definitely been withheld from the, from the nation of Israel. But it was not. They did not repent. They did not come to him. And to the last moment, he wanted Jerusalem to come back into the fold. Uh, Luke 13, 1 through 9, um, we have Jesus calling people to repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is turning to God and away from our sin. Turning to God and away from our sin. So uh, is repentance necessary for salvation? And the answer is yes, 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 yes. Without repentance, there is no salvation. If you do not repent, you will all likewise perish. You see, without repentance, the Israelites could not admit their sin and turn to Jesus and, and find the Messiah as God intended them to do. Today is all about allegiance, and our repentance tells about allegiance. All right? Um, all right. Uh, talk, uh, if you want to talk more about that, feel free. All right. And then, go, of course, make sure that you do the, the interpretation where you summarize the verses and then get into the theological reflection. And that's where Jesus and the, the death of Christ is involved. And right there at that point, this uh, right there when we're talking about the fig tree and what would happen, and Jesus waiting to the last moment, giving them one last chance before, before uh, they would judgment would fall. What an opportunity because God is giving your people and your family, your life connection group right now. He is giving them one one chance, another chance to follow Him. That's the grace of God, and that's what He wants to do through Jesus Christ, death on the cross. All right, so that's theological reflection. What does it tell us about God? It tells us that he wants people to come, but uh, judgment sometimes is what causes them to drive, uh, drives them to uh, coming to him. So uh, you, you, you know, you'll have to figure out exactly how you want to deal with that when it deals with uh, God. All right, uh, application. While peace may not be possible for all your relationships because of your stand with Jesus, what can you do to try to make peace in your relationships? All right, well, you don't, just because you're a follower of Christ doesn't mean that you have to be mean, 
It doesn't mean that you have to, you know, constantly be in people's faces. Uh, we need to be wise about how we approach people, when, especially our family and friends um, that, we have, that we've been with all our lives. And somehow we, we intend to drive, a, we, because of our bad attitudes a lot of times, we tend to drive a wedge between us and our families that was never intended. Um, I know that when I was a young Christian, I did just that. So uh, you've got to be very careful to use wisdom. You've got to be very careful to, um, to, uh, to share what you need to share. And that doesn't mean you need to steer away from dear, difficult conversations. I'm not saying not to be a gospel witness. Um, and you don't, you don't ever disobey God just to please your family, right? Um, so live out your faith. Let people see you. And then leave it in God's hands. All right? Um... So why is it worth it to follow Jesus even if it comes at a high cost? Because one day we will stand with him. And we talked about the now, if you remember. Everybody thinks they're going to, well, especially young people, think they're going to live forever. But there's coming a day when we will, st- we will all stand before God in judgment. I, I was uh, heard a story uh, about uh, a guy that was telling a man that if, he would live a thousand years and uh, he wouldn't have to worry about anything. He could... He could do what he was doing. He could jump out a window. He could get sick. He would live for a thousand years. All he had to do was sign his life over. And if he signed his life over, then uh, he would have a thousand years without death. Well, folks, let me tell you something about that. That thousand years still comes. Yep, I'm telling you. And one, one man once said, it's not that life is so short, it's that death is so long. And we don't want to be in that situation. Uh, so it's worth following Jesus, so we won't fall under that judgment. All right, number three, what does it mean to live a life of repentance? That means that we turn away from our sin constantly and consistently. So how is Jesus calling you to con- repent today? Maybe there's somebody in your life connection group that today needs to repent. So how does Jesus want you to live in the, in the now? What do, you, what do you need to do? Do you need to um, recognize that now is fleeting? Do you need to recognize that God wants you now? Or maybe, maybe you're at the point that you need to know that if you waste your now, it's going to impact absolutely everything. And you, you're going to die with regrets because of the now you live for, the now that you live for, instead of giving your life to Jesus. Now is the time to live for Jesus. All right, so what is in? He finishes up with that one last question. Um, what prevents you from living for Jesus now in the way that he has called you to? So there's something that God has called you to do. What is preventing you from doing that? All right, Life Connection with Leaders, let me remind you as well, uh, we do want to work the OIA and keep people on target. I know that several of our teachers have come back to me and said it's really working well. Keeps them back on target. Yeah, they get a few rabbit trails here and there, but they are coming back and they're able to Bring everybody back to the Word because we are here to study the Word. We are not here to chase, chase rabbits. And uh, do be careful about prayer requests. You don't want to let, let them get out of hand. Um, uh, what, I, what I have done in the past, and you might try, is when somebody mentions the prayer request, you can pray for it right at that point, all right, right there, before they finish that prayer request. Um, and, and so it kind of prevents them from going on and telling 14 stories about why that prayer request is so important. You know, all the stuff we say about prayer prayer does not matter. It is prayer itself that matters, okay? Just a little hint for you. I hope it helps you. 
Well, that's about all we have for you. Let me uh, pray for you, and we will see you on Sunday. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that he had such clear words about peace with him and how peace with other people is not necessarily what is going to be what we have when we have peace with God. So, Father, I pray that as we live for you, that we would seek to please you, even if it does cause division in our families or friends, or that we would seek to please you and that we would seek to seek the peace of God that passes all understanding. The, the, the peace of God that Romans chapter 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to live that out every day. Help us to not waste our now and to give it totally and fully to you because you matter and eternity matters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys. God bless you and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you.